Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. Before a radio audience tuning in at WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all can be with us. Also, tuning in to our friends through our online affiliates. We're glad you all could be with us as well. We're excited to welcome author Meg Eden Kuyat to our program today. Meg is celebrating the brand-new book called Good Different. It's a great look at a character named Sayla and her challenges that she's able to have in expressing herself, but also the, the joys of being able to embrace who she is as well. We're going to talk to Meg not only about the book, but also what it's been like for her to see the early response to it. And, of course, we'll be able to let you guys know how to be able to get it for yourself as well. Meg, thank you again for the time today. really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Cyrus. Yeah, the pleasure is definitely on mine. This book was a lot of fun to read, and I think for all ages, but I definitely think the young readers will enjoy it as well. As I mentioned, uh, this we're actually talking, I mean, as the book is coming out this month. I want to talk about this experience for you, Meg. What has it been like for you to see the way the people are embracing Sayla and her journey? Oh, it's been so amazing. Um, there's just been such an encouraging, positive response. And I think, too, when people are reading the book, even her name, I think for Bible reading mm-hmm. readers, when we see Selah, uh, of course, we know not yeah. to actually say anything. I love that. I love the symbolism of that. How did this book come to you? Talk to us a little bit about the process. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> sorry, I was still thinking about what you just said. I, I'm so glad that you appreciate the name because, yeah, for me, the symbolism was so important of that idea yeah. of a pause, a breath. Um, this is exactly what our character Sayla needs. Um, but this book, yeah, it, it just—it's it, hard to explain. It just came to me. I think um, the best writing, my favorite writing, it just kind of explodes out of me, and I go, "Wait, where did that come from?" And I kind of dig through it and kind of have to discover um, in the drafting process where this came from. Um, and so, in COVID, I had one of these days. I think all of us had where we were just overwhelmed, like, "What is going on with the world?" And I just um, the, the poem came out of me. Uh, remembering a girl who braided my hair without my consent in middle school and how that experience kind of just surprised me. I was like, where did this come from? And but as I wrote, it was no longer me um, telling my story. Suddenly this became a new character, and she responded by hitting this girl. And I went, wait, where did that come from? And so that was just <laughs> the beginning of the story. I had to find out. <laughs> Wow, love that. Love and and I think Sayla's journey is so is so unique in a lot of different ways here, Meg, because for one thing, uh, as we're able to know as a reader, of course, you know, um one of the topics that comes up in the book is autism. But I think what is so great and I hope our audience gets this, and which is why I'm so glad I read the book, the book is so much more than about talking about someone who is dealing with the challenges that can come with autism. It really is about embracing who you are, being able to realize your own good difference as well. Was that also your hope, Meg, that people would be able to see themselves even in that, that even the thing that people may criticize them for, seeing the beauty in it? Absolutely. I'm so glad that that's something that you walked away from the book with, because my hope is, you know, I'm autistic, and so I hope that autistic readers can see that, you know, they are fearfully and wonderfully made, that they have this beautiful thing that they can celebrate, but also my hope is that, you know, neurotypical readers or readers that aren't autistic, that they can see um, some of themselves in Sayla and they can see beauty and the good different and the things that maybe aren't always appreciated in our world. Yeah. 
And I love the fact, too, the, and I think the other group that will really love this book, Meg, as a fellow content creator and, and creative, are those who have a creative gift and are sometimes afraid of sharing it. I actually want to read something from the book because I love this. Um, in the in the way that the book is written, I just want to say for our audience out there, and it's great. I was telling Meg before we went on here, it's, April is recognized as a lot of things, but National Poetry Month is one of them. And the book kind of puts you in that that, that message of prose as well. In the poem, Helping, this is one of the things that comes through, and I want to read this, Megan, we talk about it. Walking through the artist alley, we, we keep passing back and forth in front of the door to Cecil Ballroom. Even with my earplugs, I can hear the applause, the little bits of poems. In my bag, I feel my poem notebook, heavy like an anchor. I've never wanted to share my poems before, but inside my chest, I feel my heart jump on my stomach's trampoline, no matter how hard I try to ignore it. I want the words out. I want to stop holding them in. The dragon seller, the bracelet woman, they helped me. Maybe sharing my poems here can help too. That is such a powerful thing. Talk to us about what it was like for you to kind of slip into Sailor's skin, uh, Meg, and to kind of experience what so many creatives do experience when it comes to the struggle of what, what you know, whether we can share, whether we feel good enough about what we've we've kind of produced. Yeah, um, I think, it, as you said, this is something all creatives struggle with. So I think I just, this book was an opportunity for me to be really honest about my struggles. When I was mm-hmm. uh, starting the story, it was for me, it was for fun. It was um, on the challenge to try something different. I'd never written middle grade. I'd never written a novel in verse. Um, and so a lot of the voices that are often there telling me, like, don't do this or this won't sell or all those things, um, there was kind of freedom to not think too hard about that and just to be really honest about the things I struggle with and the things I think about. And so, yeah, I think um, say, well, it was just an opportunity to share, you know, when we create, there is something scary about putting that in the world. But also, as she wonders, maybe this can help people. Maybe people will resonate with uh, my experiences. Um, and I've been so encouraged to see that Sayla's story has been doing that with readers so far. And and there is also, of course, the belief that so many have, um, Meg, and this is the beauty of my job, let me just say, is being able to read for a living and to talk to authors mm-hmm. like you for a, <laughs> for a living because <laughs> a I, yeah, I, I love the fact that I'm able to pick these things and think, oh, I think my audience will really like this, or I really just want to talk to the, the author about this and hopefully the, the, the audience will get something from it. There is that idea that can come from not feeling like enough or not feeling like we in particular matter. I want to read something else, if you don't mind, from the book, from the poem Wrong. And this is what what Sayla says that we're able to kind of embrace. I go back to the bathroom, lock myself in the foremost stall, and breathe in and out and in and out and in and out and in until I'm no longer breathing but panting like a hunted deer. I can't stop. I can't stop. I'm going to die. I'm screaming. I'm glad no one else is in the bathroom. Hope no one can hear me through the walls. Hope no one is afraid I might hurt them. I was right. The rules were right. No one wants the real Sayla inside, just a bootleg imitation of a girl she pretended to be because everyone says it. I'm not just different. Something is wrong with me. That is powerful, Meg. That is really, I think, it's it's going to connect with so many people who may have felt that way. What was it like for you writing that? Um. It's funny because I think just in writing it, like I said, I I felt like 
nobody was watching. So I felt like I was really um, just pouring everything out and it just kind of exploded. But it, it, the feeling is almost like um, now that it's coming out and now that like hearing you read that poem, now I'm like thinking, oh, wow, I'm like showing that to the world. Um, and I'm, I'm glad I am because as you said, I think people will relate. But it's so funny yeah. um, in the drafting process, I just don't always think about it. And then it's like once it's out there, I'm like, oh, <laughs> That's out there. Like, people are seeing how I really feel. And there's like, excitement with that, but there is almost that terror, too, of like, oh, gee, how yeah. are people going to feel seeing that side of me? Right, right. Have you gotten used to the idea at this point, Meg, that your voice matters, that you are needed and what you have to say matters? Have you gotten used to that? That's a great question. I don't know. Um, there is uh, a proud side of me that when I write, I think everything that I have to say really matters. And then I often get a slice of humble pie when my agent says that doesn't make sense or I get rejection letters. Um, so in a, like, in a very insular sense, I, I think like, oh, I've got something to say. So that inherently matters. But at the same time, I think like hearing you say that, I don't believe it when you say it. I'm like, no, like, mm. does it really like, so it, it's a really weird dichotomy. I don't quite know how to describe that. It's like you can think something in one way, but then when it's actually out in the world, you go like, oh, wait, people are reading this. This is meaningful to them. What? Seriously? Like, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's a bizarre feeling, I got to say. Yeah, yeah. I think there is also an important reminder for people, and this is not spoiling anything, what I'm about to read from I finally make myself tell mom, uh, Meg, because I think a lot of times we don't think about how what we do impacts someone, how what we mm. say may impact someone, because we don't know what it's like to be them, right? And we have not asked. You know, that's the other thing. I want to read this, and again, I'm, I'm not spoiling it because people can read the back of the book and find this part of it out. Um, but this is what I finally make myself tell mom, and I think there's an interesting thing here I want to talk to you about. I hit Addie because she was braiding my hair, because every pull stung like there were bees on my scalp, and I tried to keep it all inside, but there wasn't enough room left that I know now there's never enough room to keep all my feelings inside. And I can't keep doing what I've been doing. I need help. Mom doesn't say anything for a while. Then finally, I'm so sorry, Selah. I'm so sorry I messed you up. This is probably one of the most heartbreaking poems for me in the book, Meg, mm. because I think um, there's a few things going on for the reader, for myself. And I'm curious for you at that point in the book what you were thinking. But what I thought as the reader was a lot of times, again, we don't know what people are dealing with, and it may be something we say and do that could be that thing that could push them too far. And we see mm -hmm. that a lot in the world we live in. But there also is the idea of the mom, and I would never thought about it until I got to that point of the book, of her feeling, feeling blame, feeling guilt, feeling mm -hmm. that she did something not only wrong, but wrong toward her own. Talk to us about the dynamics of that particular poem for you. Yeah, um, what you're describing, I think, is something I'm realizing as an adult. Um, it, as, as a kid, you look at what your parents do, and you look at it in a certain way, and you typically look at a very um, black and white, flat sort of way. Like I'd go, oh, mom does these things that don't make sense, and it's because I'm not like mom, and you know, it's weird or whatever. And then as an adult, I'm starting to understand a little bit more um, why my mother does what she does, why, um, you know, 
people I uh, people that maybe I looked at as a kid do things differently. And I think one thing I've realized um, as a kid, I'm an only child, and so I think I've carried this um, my own designed sense of I need to be everything. Um, and I and so if I do anything wrong, I felt or not even wrong, but I'll perceive I did something wrong, and I'll put all this thought on myself. Of here's all the ways I messed up. And now as an adult, I'm realizing um, my parents, they might say something like that, and it's because they are doing exactly what I'm doing. They're thinking about themselves and their perspective, and they're thinking, um, have we equipped my daughter to enter the world? And they're, yeah. they're perce- I guess we all do this, right? Like we're all thinking from our perspective, and we're all probably way more self-conscious about what we've done and so much of what other people are doing. And so I guess that poem was kind of this realization for me that um, my mom cares about me, right? My parents care yeah. about me, um, and they mean well, um, and that they, they, all their desire, everything that I've done that I've felt like I messed up perhaps, um, I'm thinking about my actions, but they're thinking about their actions too, and did we give that to our daughter? So I, I, I feel like I'm not wording that very well, but it's a sense of empathy, right? And when you're yeah. writing, you're having to not just see a character in a flat way. You're having to see all the dimensions. And that moment was making me see my parents in a new way and seeing, yeah, like the generations of um, how someone like Sayla and her mother might be viewing things as well. Yeah, such a great thing. And and I think that's what makes this book so I mean, I hate to use the word enjoyable, but that's the word <laughs> that comes to mind because it, it there are some points of it that of course are very sobering, but it makes it oh, palatable. That's what it is. Because it is something that is relatable and it makes you feel easy on yourself. You know? I think a lot of times for fiction, I think that the draw for it is me, the reader, Meg, is that you're able to address really real-world things in a safe space. And this book gives us a safe space to talk about Sela, to put all of this on Sela, but to have real conversations with ourselves. Did you find yourself having those same conversations with yourself? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, like you say, fiction is a safe space for us as readers to explore things, but also as a writer that, you know, I can take um, maybe moments of experience, like a memory or an emotion I felt, and I can play with them and go, well, what if this had happened? Or what if I had said this or done this instead? And I think Salo was like a really fun, I felt like writing, it was really fun. There was a lot of big emotion. There were a lot of difficult things, but there was also this sense of play, of using poems to play. I think that's another kind of like fiction in general allows us to play, but there's something about poetic form that, you know, we're not only dealing with um, a story idea, but we're also getting to play with what it looks like on the page. And so I think that act of play, like you said, it makes it more palatable. It made it more palatable for me as a writer to deal with things that were really hard to deal with. In fact, like sharing this book with family and even myself, he's like, you know, you haven't talked about a lot of these things before. I feel like I understand you better because some of these things are just like almost impossible to say out loud. Um, but somehow writing it, it gives you that safe space to really be honest in a way that's harder verbally. Yeah. And that's why I want to end with this. And I won't give much context because I don't want to spoil anything uh, for sure, Meg, but I love this part. And it says this, I'm a part of everything. I feel all of it, like the whole world is having a sleepover inside my body, 
but I realize now I don't think I want to trade that part or any part of me for all the normal in the world. I, my friends laugh at me um, because I tell them, Meg, that I have embraced my abnormalities. <laughs> and, and I, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, like getting excited about conversations like this, which are a lot of work to prepare for. I guess if you look at it that way, but I don't ever think about that part of it. I just think about, oh, I get to have this conversation with Meg today, you know, about good different, yeah. you know. And and I think I love that about Sayla, that she realizes even with her challenges, even with the things that she feels like makes her different, to realize that that is also what makes her who she is. Is that one of the messages you want, again, readers to take away from this, Meg? Absolutely, because especially neurodivergent kids, they're often told everything they're doing wrong, everything that they aren't being. Um, But I think there's a beauty to neurodivergence, too. Like, we have difficulties. We have things that are hard. We also have things we're good at, and we have things that we really soar and shine in. And so I really want kids, I think especially when you're a kid, you're really forming that sense of self based on what you're told. So if you've always been told, here's the things you're doing wrong in school and things, you're going to carry that as an adult and only see kind of the thing, the shortcomings that you have. So my desire as readers to see, you know, maybe there's these things that are hard, but here's these beautiful things, too, these things that I can uniquely contribute to the world. Love that. Such a great book, Meg, and such a great conversation. Thank you so much again for the time. Again, everyone, Meg Eden Kuyat has been our guest. The book is Good Different, published by Scholastic. It's available now through our friends at Amazon.com or through your favorite local bookstore. If they don't have it, they'll be, no, be, they'll be more than happy to order it for you, so definitely take advantage of it. A great book for all ages, but definitely I think young readers will appreciate it as well. Meg, how can our audience stay connected with you? Um, so you can check um, my website out at MegEdenBooks.com. You can find me at Twitter at Confused Narwhal and Instagram at M-E-D-E-N underscore author. Okay. All right. We've already tagged you on Twitter there to make it easy for our audience to find you there for sure. Meg, I hope you will come back. We'd love to be able to spend some more time with you. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for such thoughtful questions. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that for sure. And we thank your audience for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Thank as always. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live. Let's go make today amazing. Take care.